obviously I want to be the best rider in the world, so I got to compete against the best rider in the world. To be the number one guy right now is something we have all had to earn, and, and you know, we don't get hired to go get fifth or sixth or fourth, let alone second. I mean, we, we're hired to win. It's crunch time for me, you know. I got the second place last year, you know, so there's only one spot left, and that's the championship. Oh, I don't think there's any words on how bad I want this title. It's a passion, you know, and I think there's something still deep inside of me that wants to push. When it comes down to racing, you better believe I'll be ready to go. championship is going to be competitive. Will you risk everything? Will you leave it all on the track? The quest to be Monster Energy Supercross champion is about to begin. The gate drop to kick it all off happens right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the Moto Limited Podcast. Here is your host, Nick Still. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Moto Limited Podcast, episode number four. Starting to get through these things. So, thank you to everybody that does listen to these things. Thank you to everyone that has sent some messages about it. A lot of work goes into it. We'd love to see that you guys are enjoying it. But tonight, tonight we have another heavy hitter on. We last seen this guy. He was racing the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships in America. He is the outside sales representative for Fox Racing. Most of all, this guy has a very special spot in my heart as well because he was the first person I ever did a podcast alongside over a year ago. So it's a bit of a special person, but without further ado, all the way from Irvine, California, it's Connor Olson. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, dude. How are you? Good, man. Good. What's happening? What's going on? Oh, you know, just getting uh, getting bikes ready. Gonna go ride this weekend. I uh, found some found out some bad news actually this week. The uh, at the last round at Fox Raceway, I uh, I ran my own foot over somehow. You were and yeah, uh, that was, actually that was rough. What? What? How did that happen? I didn't see it on TV or yeah. anything. Well, they're not going to show 27th place, but hey, you're, I, um, you're a big deal. You're, we're getting to, we're getting to that. Keep going. <laughs> we're getting to that though. I uh, yeah, I, um, it was probably I don't know second or third lap of second moto or something, and uh, it was 105 degrees or whatever, and like people were already dropping like flies. But I just like kind of got out of rhythm and in, in the back um, the back rhythm section, like coming out uh, back into the main area of the track and. Uh, the next lap I was like, well, I guess I just got to hit that faster. So I don't do that again. <laughs> and, uh, I hit it faster and got way more out of shape. And I basically went from the far right of the track and landed off to the left of the track. Um, just full swapping both feet off. Like if I would have crashed, it would have been really bad, but I saved it. And I think I tried to put my foot out to like touch myself or my balance or something. And it caught the ground and, I just went straight under the bike. So yeah, I just, uh, found out on Wednesday that I actually have to get a, get a surgery and get some stuff 
taken out and fixed some stuff. So I try to get as much riding in as I can. So is it all, is it all Gucci now? Like, can you walk in that or is it pretty, pretty bad? Um, it's not good, but it's not bad. Like I've been kind of doing some cycling and just started golfing and I took probably six weeks off or so. Um, and I just started riding a little bit, but yeah, it's not, it's not good. I have like a bunch of fluid in my joint and there's like a little bone fragment in my joint basically. Yeah, yeah. So, Hey, where, yeah, so where it's, you, uh, where not good. You, where did you ride last weekend? Um, last weekend I went to Elsinore. Elsinore that, uh, that video was from Elsinore. Yeah, dude, that video, dude, you were moving in that video. Oh yeah, you got to do it for the gram, dude. Yeah, got to get the people hyped. Hash- got to give them what they want. Hashtag for the gram. Now, my first bone, <laughs> my first bone to pick with you is, you know, during motocross, I'm over here in Australia. You know, I can't go to the track. I have to rely on YouTube. I have to watch a lot of the weed show. Now, oh, yeah. every weed show I watch, it's you. Yep. What's what's going on? What is there? A, is there a secret deal? There's there was bags of money <laughs> getting handed over. Give me the lowdown. What was oh, the dude, so that? <laughs> the whole story is great, and it, it's continuing actually. And like we were just saying before we before you hit record, I think like Steve is playing into it now too from Pulp, and uh, I think we're gonna go on the Pulp show here pretty soon. Continue to play into this, but basically, I uh, it's kind of a, a long story, but we. Um, my roommates are the, the pro MX manager and the amateur MX manager for Fox. So they're at the races all the time and stuff. And they actually had to pay for a paddock parking pass, um, for the year. So like any of the races I went to, I had a super good parking spot cause it was like right next to all the semis. So I was like on the front end of privateer Island at the first round at Fox raceway. And I was just sitting there working on my bike. I was actually getting goggles ready with, um, the other MX manager, Matt, and I'm just getting goggles ready. And weeds walks by with a GoPro in his hand, just doing his little walk and talk thing. And I, I literally just yelled at him. I was like, yeah, it's the weed show. <laughs> and he just like hooks a hard left and comes over and starts talking to me. And like, I've had very little communication with weeds before that. Like they did a, a racer X, um, I don't know what it was called privateer profile or something like online a couple years ago. Um, but we just came over and started talking. And then, um, after like he stopped recording it, he just, we bullshitted about some stuff and, and, uh, it just kind of spiraled from there. And they talked about it on like the wrap up show and JT was all fired up because he, <laughs> he didn't believe that a Fox employee at Fox raceway, could have just by, gotten by happenstance got on the, on the weed show and it literally just happened super organically. And then the best part with it is it just, we kept playing into it and making JT more and more mad. And it was, it just continued all year. And even, um, I think two or three weeks after the season, um, I'm good buddies with Cameron Peterson who races Moto America and I went to the final round of Moto America in Alabama. And the first person I saw when I walked up was Weege. <laughs> and like, oh, it rained that time too, didn't it? Oh, it was just pissing. It was yeah, so bad. Yeah, I remember it now. Yep. Yeah. And it was, it was hilarious. So I just walked up and Weege is there and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And like, we'd start talking and, and, uh, I have a, like a good group of friends that we all, we all hang out and they ride street bikes and we ride dirt bikes and 
And uh, we just went to support our buddy Cam and, and then we just did another show and it just kind of keeps getting brought up and it's, uh, yeah, now it's just a running joke and it's, it's fucking hilarious. That, that is cool. It's just like, I watch it and it's just like, and it was something we got to look out for, you know, it's just something that got funny. Now, obviously your job at Fox, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as well, but you riding Fox Raceway. You know, do you get the, do you get the special perks? Do you get like a special car park? What's a you got to get something, surely? Yeah, I mean, on like a, I, I get a lot of a lot of special treatment, um, mostly due to the fact that I live with the guys. Um, so I get to kind of see some behind the scenes stuff and get to do do some special things that are um, a little bit outside of like my. I don't know, I guess my skill level, like things that they wouldn't really use me for, you know, and, um, going to the track. I mean, just being an employee of Fox, we all get to ride at the track for free and we have some other kind of stuff that we get to do with the track as far as like events and some stuff like that. But, but yeah, most of my, uh, most of my special perks are probably due to, uh, the guys that live in my house with me. Yep. Yep. Do you still get things like, you know, at the end of the day, everyone that rides motocross and we're all big fans of the sport. Do you do you think it's cool that you get to you know hang out or get to see like AC or any of those boys? Do you, does it still feel cool to you, or is it just because you're sort of bros with them now? It's not as cool. Uh, no, I think it's cool. It's it's cool too because, like I said, my my roommate is is the guy that like takes care of everything for them. So it's cool. Cause like they have a really good relationship and just sort of by proxy, like you're sort of included in some of that. So at the races, you kind of get to bullshit with some of the guys and then that sort of builds into a relationship and like some of AC's vlogs. Um, he actually had me in a couple of his, of his vlogs and was talking shit and we play, uh, we play Warzone together and stuff. And yeah, it's pretty cool to just kind of see some of those guys and some of the cool stuff that just like happens to come through, our house is pretty rad too. Like, I mean, I don't, we're probably not supposed to have them here. So hopefully no one listens to this, but we have like some AC helmets and 10 rocks and helmets sitting on our mantle above our TV in the house. So it's cool to get some of that, that cool stuff and just kind of bullshit with those guys when everyone's around. It's definitely, uh, Definitely another perk for sure. Absolutely. It's like I've been lucky enough to play a couple of games of Warzone with AC and Triple. And it's like yeah. the whole time, like, dude, that's AC. Like, that's sick. But it's at the same time, it's just everyone just bullshitting. You know what I mean? Like, listening to Triple and AC just talk absolute gibberish. And it's like, you, know, you, you sort of feel included into it. It's, it's weird. It's funny. But how does it feel? Like, how, how big are your actual shoulders that you have to constantly carry uh, Justin Jennings through a game of Call of Duty? Dude, I mean, my lats and my back are, are like not to toot my own horn, but to to like, I'm pretty shredded. You know, I got to carry him a lot. I mean, I had him, I had a mechanic for me at, uh, Washougal this year and I, he slept the whole entire drive, like up and back, which was total of like 30 something hours. <laughs> and, and you just got to hold the guy's hand doing anything. That's yeah. But yeah, just just uh, the back is definitely definitely shredded. Well, I can't really talk because he he blows me on Warzone, and then you both blew me on Warzone. But uh, tri- <laughs> Triple J, what about his pit board holding skills? Oh my god, dude! We just we just talked. We just did the wrap up show yesterday, and 
uh, dark side hadn't heard that story and dude, it was, he's still sticking to his guns that he's like, Oh, I saw Jay Dungy doing it. And all these other guys were doing it too. And I mean, like you're coming down to mechanics, like in the, through the mechanics area. And normally your pit boards at like whatever, 45 degrees in front of you. So you can see it. And, uh, or I guess 90, I don't know, 90 degrees. I'm not good at math. I was homeschooled, but he, he had it against the pit wall. So, I just saw him standing there and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, dude? And you're like, you have nothing here. So I like come around the first turn at Washougal and I turned left and I saw the pit board like 10 seconds after I came through the mechanics area. And I told him after that, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You got to hold the pit board. To, like, so I can at least see it. He's like, well, you saw it. I was like, yeah, but I had to look down the other straightaway. <laughs> and he's, and the best part about it is there's picture evidence I'm pretty sure I have it on my Instagram and I saw some other, um, I can't remember it now, but there's some photographer that took, there was an entire Instagram post with 10 pictures of just a bunch of people holding pit boards out. There was no riders. Uh, it was yeah, just all the mechanics. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I did see And it. you could just see Justin with the pit board at the wrong direction. <laughs> 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 well, and he's still sticking to his guns. You know, maybe um maybe Jaden Chase sort of worked it out prior to, to like look there. He didn't he didn't give you any uh any, you know, bit of information to maybe look the opposite way or Dude, I yeah, I don't know. I uh I'm going to send this to you right now. I don't know if you can like post <laughs> it during the show or something, but I'm going to send this to you because there's picture evidence and it makes me very happy. But the best part is there's like two guys standing right next to him with their pit boards out the correct direction. All right. I see. I see it. What we're going to do is the post that comes out to announce this podcast, we do a pretty cool post, Scott Conan. We'll put this photo in the bottom left corner. Anyone that listens, go back to the post, look at this photo, and you will be able to see exactly what we're talking about. And yeah, Justin, it's not good, buddy. Yeah, I don't. I I don't get it. He and now he's stubborn and doesn't want to get made fun of. So he just sticks to his guns. That that's how everyone else was doing it, and he feels like he's a the master mechanic and blah blah blah. And I did happen to get one flat tire this year, and it was second moto at Washougal when Justin checked the air pressure before the moto. So, I mean, I'm not saying it was him, but. Pirelli took care of me all year, so... You can't go wrong with Pirelli. Pirelli is the, the tire of oh, yeah. choice, Connor. Tire of choice. Yeah. Um, Best ones out there. Oh, without a, without a doubt. Now, motocross, you know, you, you seem to... You, you seem to... Is, is, is it something you just, every year, just love to race motocross? Was it, Is there an expectation of what you... Give me, coming into this season, okay? Give me your expectation of what you wanted. Um, I mean, realistically, like I I've, I've raced nationals a handful of years now. I've, I've kind of, that's really all I do is just a, a couple nationals a year. I don't really do any amateur stuff. I just kind of practice throughout the year and do some nationals. And, um, I've never really taken it all that seriously either. Um, I mean, of course I, I have the skill to, to make the national motos sometimes, but this year I definitely, um, actually with all the, with all the COVID stuff, I kind of just like really got my shit together and 
I, uh, was training all the time, like bicycling all the time. I stopped drinking. I started eating better. Like a lot of stuff that would just kind of put the whole program together. And, uh, it's been probably whatever, a year and a half or something now, but I mean, I lost 45 pounds and got way better and faster on the bike and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly for sure. I mean, I was riding uh, at one point, like in the height of all the stuff I was furloughed and not working and I was riding five days a week. I bought a new bike and put 12 hours on it in two weeks and did a bunch of stuff. And then I only got to race the last two rounds of the outdoors last year. And I was kind of right. I think 24, 25, 27, somewhere in there. And, um, from the end of last year into going into this year, I, kind of did a lot of the same, just kept riding and was getting shit put together and doing all that. And sort of right before the season, I kind of, I was expecting points all year, honestly. And, and I, I knew that I had it in me, but I made more nationals than I ever did this year. And I got to race more of them than I ever did this year. And I was, I was telling someone this story the other day, like I, I didn't have a single good national moto this year besides the very first round or the very first moto at the very first round, everything else I, I fell or I got a flat tire or something happened or I didn't finish the moto or something. So I kind of in like, in my eyes, I, it, it wasn't successful at all. Um, I didn't, I got a couple, I think my best finish was 27th or something overall, but I knew I had the speed for the twenties. And so it wasn't really successful in my eyes. Cause I knew I should have done better, but to anyone else that like saw it from the outside, I mean, I, I think I raced seven rounds and I made five of them or something like that. So that, that's an achievement in itself, man. Yeah. And, and it is for sure. Like looking at it in hindsight, like, yeah, it was awesome. I got to, I got to race some tracks that I've never been to. I got to do a lot of cool stuff this year. And, um, with a lot of help from, from Kenny day, my roommate, um, we sent, we sent my bike out and it traveled around to most of the rounds and I didn't get to do some of them because of an injury. And then some other stuff later in the year happened that I didn't get to do, but, but yeah, I was definitely expecting points this year and kind of fell a little bit short. So that honestly just, kind of fires me up and makes me uh makes me want to get my shit together for next year and try to do some do some damage in the in the actual motos and kind of put put more of it together hell yeah dude so you're all in, all in again for next year yeah yeah i'm uh for sure gonna do all of the west coast rounds um they're all pretty easy i mean i'm i'm from colorado so that one's always easy just to go home and see family and everything and stay for that weekend and I fucking choked so bad this year out there. So I got some redemption. Um, and then with two raceway, two races at the raceway, which is an hour from my house, those are always easy and Hangtown's close enough and Washougal's close enough. So definitely going to do all of those. And I'm trying to work on, um, some plans and figure out how to do some more of them too. And I got, uh, obviously with triple and some of his, his contacts and stuff on the East coast, we did some cool stuff this year, like at high point, um, with the Magna one GNCC Husky team. And hopefully we can work out some stuff for, um, this coming season with them too. Hell yeah, dude. That's it. That's everyone. Everyone gets in and makes it. How did you get your bike around the, the season just gone? How was, how was that sent out? 
Um, so yeah, it was kind of, it was funny cause I, I ended up like doing the first couple of rounds and, uh, and the it's a, a super long story, but the Fox, the Fox van actually broke down on the way to Colorado. <laughs> so it ended up being, um, it ended up being in California still way longer than it was supposed to. Cause it goes to each race and stays at each race. So once it goes East, it doesn't come back. Is that the one that does um, like all the gear and the goggles and stuff? Yeah, so that's my roommate that does that. I seen a video on that thing. That thing's sick. Oh, you should see. They just got a new one. It'll be the same, basically, like all of the internal cabinets and all that stuff. But yeah, that thing is set up. It's set up like they literally built it to fit a fox helmet and fox boots and everything. So it's like purpose built for us, which is awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, so like they were going out. he was going out right right after high point. He was going to red bud. And I did, um, I ended up like separating my AC joint at high point. I got hit with a rock in the LCQ, a rock hit me in the shoulder and I thought it broke my collarbone and I somehow finished and got second or something in the LCQ. Um, and I, that was a struggle bus finishing those two, two motos. But after I got back from that, my roommate was like, dude, you, you got to do more. Like you got to figure out how to do this. So, I got my, uh, my KTM ready and I put it in the Fox van and they took off and he went and, uh, Michael Lindsay and the FXR Chaparral Honda team actually took my bike around until Washougal, um, with my shoulder, I didn't get to do, um, Red Bud or Southwick, but then I went and did Washougal, um, from them. So thank like super thankful for Michael and the team and him and Tony helped out a ton by just bringing that thing around. So, yeah, it was cool to get them kind of have the support and like the capability to kind of do all that stuff. So I got to go do Millville because of that. And like, like I said, that Magna one team got me to do high point and then my bike was already at Washougal. So that made it a little bit easier. So yeah, it's cool to, um, with a lot of the stuff that I've done, like work wise, I've, I, um, with previous jobs and previous positions at jobs, like I've been all over the country working. So I know I have a lot of contacts like all over the place, which is awesome. Um, just to kind of branch out and like get all the, all the people all over the country, like stoked about stuff and, and willing to help. And it's uh it's a really cool feeling. Yeah, dude, that's, that's cool. You know, another, another cool thing I think I took out from the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross was the questions with Cody shock. What, how, oh, did yeah. that, how did that come about? That's a, give me the rundown on that. Cause that's <laughs> cool, dude. Uh, the, it's hilarious. Cause I, um, with how much I drive with my job, like I, I mean, I cover a good portion of Southern California. So I drive all day, every day, basically. Like I, I have to listen to podcasts. Um, if I listen to music sitting in SoCal traffic, like I'm going to drive into the ocean. So I have to listen to podcasts just to kind of stay sane. Yep. And, uh, there's this podcast. I found these dudes on TikTok. It's called the Freddie show. And it's just two dudes that like sit in a room and people send in questions and they just ask stuff. So I was literally sitting on the plane going to high point and I text Cody and I was like, Hey, what do you think of this idea? And he's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So we, the whole premise of the thing was like, we, we got all these questions together. We asked a couple people, like some of the best ones and got, got our list together. And the idea, like the very first time we did it, we walked up to people, we were recording on Instagram already and just asked them a random question. Like, 
whatever. I, I asked one, like, what's the age of a, a kangaroo that you could beat up in a fight? And the, the whole, like the best part of it is getting someone's reaction of, of just processing the question and like trying to think of what to actually say. And that's kind of how the whole thing all started. And we got so many people that hit us up after the first time we did it. Like you guys need to keep this going. Like you can't, like you've got to figure it out. So we, we took it pretty seriously. Like we would get our questions together. We would have like FaceTime meetings and like get it all together. And, and it's cool. Like, especially with Cody, like Cody knows all the people from racing supercross and outdoors and doing all that. And then like, I know a whole different group of people that he doesn't know just from like personal connections and stuff. So it's, it's, it's hilarious that we just get to walk around and kind of like we had AP was on there and a bunch of the mechanics and some of the other riders and stuff. And like Tom from uh, team fried and like all these guys. So it's cool that we get to do, do what we did this year. And, uh, I was actually talking to Cody this week and we are, um, bringing it back about times 10 also next year. So keep, keep your eyes open for that. Cause it's going to be awesome. Give me, give me three of the best questions you've got and three of the best answers you got. That's that, that'll give that's enough. Give me that. Oh shit. I, I gotta even like think of some of them. I know, um, AP's answer was the best. I think I'm pretty sure AP's was the best out of all of them. We were at Millville and I asked him, um, Oh fuck. What was it? Something like, would you rather fight one chicken every day or like you, you just have to fight a a chicken. Like at some point in the day, you're going to have to kill a chicken (laughs) or one time a year you have to fight whatever it was, a chimpanzee or a full grown kangaroo or something, but it's only once a year. Dropping kangaroos a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, they're fucking fierce, by the way, they'll they'll kill you. Oh yeah. They'll they'll end you. They're fucking wild. And that's, that's the whole, (laughs) the whole thing. Kangaroos are fucking awesome. I mean, you guys, you guys have them like pets down there. You could probably got one sitting next to you in the studio. I I do. He's actually my editor and he's fucking not doing much at the moment. Get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, AP's answer was good. I know, um, Tommy tenders had a really good one. And uh, for the life of me, I can't remember. It would have been really calculated (laughs) is what I would have thought his would be. Oh, it was. Yeah. He thoroughly <laughs> thought it out. Like if, if anyone wants to see these there, it's kind of sporadically posted throughout like my Instagram page, but all of them are on there still. Um, you can sure. see them because all of the thumbnails are pictures of other people and not just me. So you should have yeah, them uh, together and put them on, uh, put them on YouTube. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the plan. We're going to try to start a YouTube channel next year. And, um, we have some people already kind of getting behind it. I know, uh, I had some conversations with Polar and I have a, a super good relationship with the guys at Polar. So I think, I think they're going to get behind it a little bit and uh triple with his podcast is going to do some stuff. And then the, the hosting platform of his podcast, I think we're going to do that and then do some YouTube stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll get, it helps that we both, we both live here in SoCal and most of the, um, most of the supercrosses are, are pretty local to us. So I think we're going to do, try to do it at a lot of the West coast supercrosses. I think, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but I think Cody's racing East coast. Um, so we'll just be able to kind of kill some time, not have to worry about the races and, and do some stuff. Cause we sort of, 
fell off a little bit the last couple of rounds with obviously with Cody's team folding and stuff like just a normal privateer day at a national on a Friday is pretty hectic. So we didn't get to do some of them at the last rounds, but, but yeah, we're definitely bringing it back in full force next year. We, we at the Moto Limited show, we will sponsor it. Um, and are you guys going to do it? At, are you guys going to do it at Anaheim? Yeah, that's the plan. We we'll will go, we'll we go will, wander around today one. We will sponsor it for Anaheim because we will be there. Talk to talk Let's to Cody. Talk to Cody. Find out what you guys want, and we will we will uh, we will uh, sponsor it for, for Anaheim. Let's do it. Just lock it in, hundred percent. Supercross. Who you got? Who's your, who's your dude? Who's your? What do you, what do you think we're going to get for two thousand and twenty two? Oh shit, that's tough. I mean, I, AC looks pretty good, and from what I've heard, is he is dreading right now. Um, I, I don't, you can't really bet a bet, bet against Cooper though. Like he's kind of always there. He starts sort of slow and then kind of picks it up at the end. Um, I think Kenny is hopefully, hopefully going to be mentally invested and, and get it together. Hopefully the two close ones for him this year makes him, uh, fired up and ready for this year. And he's kind of, uh, been pretty quiet lately, so I think he's uh, he's yeah. grinding away right now. He, he has been quiet, you know. Going back to AC, it's like, AC, I don't think the speed's ever the issue. I think it's in little, you know, just some little errors that we get with AC that seem to cost him uh, cost him wins or the race win. You know, he's always leading laps and then something something little happens. Um, Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb's a really interesting one to me as well. Is I think Cooper's going to come out swinging, but... If Cooper doesn't come out and win A1, the whole precedent around Cooper Webb is going to be, oh, because he left the Baker's program, yada, yada, yada. That's what I don't like about it. That that whole thing's going to be there. How do you think – let me give you two names. Aaron Plessinger on the, on the Red Bull KDM and Malcolm Stewart on the Rockstar Husky. Out of those two guys, which one does better? Oh, shit. I think that's uh... – a. That's a really good question between the two of them. Like, I mean, we've seen the speed from Malcolm and I think with the one kind of chink in his armor has been, has been like a solid program. It seems his rides by himself all the time. So I think him being at Baker's factory is going to make a big change. And I think he's definitely going to be up in contention with all these guys. And I mean, I'm a good buddy of Aaron's and I, I think he is going to do really well too. I mean, I know, from the bike wise, like the KTMs are really good bikes and he has a good solid foundation and program. And, um, it sounds like he's keeping his personality and staying happy and staying fun. And I think that's the biggest thing for him. Exactly. That was one of the biggest things that worried me was, okay, is, is Baker's factory and and the KTM group going to just rip him off any personality. And then, you know, we got that launch video with Aaron and I was like, okay, dude, it's still there. That that was another huge thing for me. So I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seeing like seeing Roger wearing like Aaron's hundred percent blades in the video and like peeling out in the truck, like you're not going to get a video like that from Cooper or for no. Dungy or something. Nah. So yeah. it's cool to see KTM embracing that, like in keeping Aaron's, Aaron's sort of positivity and his personality. Like it seems like it's kind of spreading more into the KTM group itself, which is cool. And I mean, that's going to fuel Aaron to keep doing better. I mean, he was fucking kicking ass this year already. And if he, I know he had a good uh, solid program and a good bike and all that stuff already, but if he is whatever, 10% 
more in shape and more sharp by doing what he's doing at Baker's factory and still happy. I think he's going to be a, a threat for sure this year. I, I mean, fuck this, this 450 class is going to be, I mean, we always, everyone always says that it's the <laughs> yeah. the deepest field ever, but I think it, it tightened up even more. So like, I think the, the top seven or whatever can win any given weekend with Adam's arm fixed and, AC or when AP and Malcolm are going to be up there more. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be good for sure. I'm just glad I don't race supercross cause that shit's scary. Well, have you, have you ever dwindled in a bit of supercross? Is it, is it something that interests you? Is it, is it something you stay? I've never from? even ridden a supercross track. Really? That's surprising considering you live SoCal. So yeah, I mean, I, if I would have grown up here, it would have been a different story, but like growing up in Colorado, I mean, you basically put your bike away in October and you just snowboard all year until it's like March or something. So all any of the guys from Colorado that like stuck with it and, and continue to race supercross, like they would always come to California for the winter. And I just never did that. I was always working and snowboarding and doing stuff in the snow industry and moto industry and stuff. So I never really, I never really made that, made that jump to, to really even try it. And I mean, now I'm, I'm 27. I'm not going to try to learn supercross and I'm not going to go have my suspension guy give me supercross suspension and to go try supercross one time. Like, especially out here, the tracks are real supercross tracks. So you can't really just dwindle into it. Like you got to go all out to yeah. practice it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, it's like the weird thing we had with supercross futures this year was supercross futures were riding doing their stuff on a motocross track. You know what I mean? That's, that was, yeah. uh, that was super odd. How far away from, um, like Tomac were you in Colorado? Um, pretty far. I think Cortez is probably six hours from Denver. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of interaction with him, but definitely growing up. I mean, I, w- I would pretty much see him at like amateur national stuff. I mean, he did a couple local races growing up, but I mean, maybe three or four throughout the years, um, in Colorado, but yeah, I mean, we kind of just would see him here and there and see him in California or Texas in the winter. And, um, our parents always kind of bullshit together and Eli's definitely a kind of a quiet guy. And, um, but yeah, we definitely like, (laughs) I remember we were at a, a local race in Colorado one time, just like, whatever Loretta's qualifier or something. And we were playing GTA in the back of the, in the back of the trailer on the PlayStation, just, just picking up hookers and stuff right before our 65, seven to 11 moto. Well, uh, we got the fucking, uh, we got the, uh, the name of what this is going to be called. Thanks Connor. We're, we're naming is picking up hookers before the 65 moto. <laughs> uh, what, there you go. Was, was that fucking, um, San Andreas or what? Oh fuck! Probably it would probably would have been yeah. That was that fuck. would have been a, what a, a good game. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's tight. That was the days just playing MX Unleashed and GTA in the trailer, waiting for the moto. Your dad's getting your bike ready. Mom's cooking food for you. Like now, I'm sitting at the race trying to hold Justin's hand to make sure he reads the pit board the correct way and doesn't get lost. Is it? Is it have you? Have you? Is it weird? Like he might get he might get lost and you know fucking sit down in a corner and cry or something until he finds you, or is it? You try <laughs> Pretty to, much. You I mean, yeah. put a bell on him or what? He's he's probably over like waiting outside of AC's motorhome to go bro down with him and try to talk about his Call of Duty strategy or something. So 
I had to keep him, keep him oh. like a, like, you know, when you hook your dog to a tie down leash to your hitch, like I had to have that on triple. <laughs> Triple's going to be so fucking off me. <laughs> oh, he's going to be pissed. I love it. Oh, you know, it's, I'd be doing it as well though. I'd be going like, I'd try and hang out with Savachi and find out where he is and sit outside his motorhome, home. <laughs> but he fucking doesn't like me. Um, they're, they are really good Warzone players though. Like really good. You, you all you guys are. You guys are fucking pretty good at Warzone. Who's out of the whole group? Yeah. Out of the whole group, honestly, who's the best? Uh, I I think it it kind of comes and goes. I I mean I think AC is usually probably at the top. He uh he kind of he locks in, keeps it tight. He's usually at the top. I mean everyone occasionally has their uh their nice goose egg game, but. Adam's usually uh, usually the leader, yelling at everyone to get whatever, their shit together and figure out Adam where the fuck did, they I are. I was like, "Yes, Adam, I'll do that." Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like Triple would split off somewhere else, and then Adam be like, "Fuck Triple, where the fuck you at?" <laughs> like just yelling. Yeah. Pretty much. That's uh, that's funny. Hey, MXGP Charlotte. Was oh that, yeah. Was that probably like one of the high highest points for you? That was, uh, it was cool. It was, I didn't get the full, the full like GP experience. Cause it, it was, it was pretty funny actually how it came up. I had just moved to the East coast. Um, for the first time I worked for Fox, I'd been there for like two months or something. And I saw on the calendar, I was like, Oh shit, the USGPs in Charlotte. Like that's an hour and a half from my house. And I like, took a couple days off work and went up and did it. But we, there was a hurricane actually that week that came through the Carolinas and like the only way that race happened was because it was actually at the dirt track. And there's so much like, I don't know a ton about dirt track racing, but like they have so many chemicals and stuff that they can put on the track that soaks up water. So the only way we got to race was because it was at the dirt track. Cause everything else was flooded and underwater and everything. But the, the whole like GP experience kind of got tainted a little cause they, they condensed it into a one day format. So it felt very national esque. Um, we had two practices, we had two motos and that was about it. Uh, but it was cool to like, I've always been a big fan of the GPs and stuff and I watch them all. And I mean, honestly, I'm a, I watched every single GP this year and I didn't watch a single national on TV and I raced half of them. So I, I definitely am a, a, probably a bigger f- fan of the GPs. Um, but one of the coolest things of the race, like was, kind of a stupid reason, but we, we got a free practice. The first practice was totally free and it was a 20 minute practice. And I have a feeling that if they did that in a national, like everyone would still be sending it for lap times and stuff, but literally no one tried. I did the entire practice right behind tick TA and, and Koldenhoff, I think. And they were just throwing whips and like stuffing each other and hitting jumps. And it was like one of the most fun things I ever got to do was like ride a, we were the first guys on the track, I think. And it was like a brand new, fresh, like kind of hybrid outdoor track. And I'm riding right behind Tixie and Koldenhoff and they're just like throwing whips and not really trying. So that's it was bad. cool. That's it was, ass. um, yeah, that's sick. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. But the, the race was terrifying for sure like <laughs> what gate it was uh um fuck i think i was 26 or something dude that there was it wasn't even a full fuck. it wasn't even a f- that's good though it like, wasn't even a full gate though like there was only 33 guys or something 
and the the drop off from the MXGPs after like twentieth place is pretty pretty substantial, especially on a flyaway race because you have to be on a team to race a GP. So like you can't you can't just show up unless if you're in the host country oh, and you have like a okay. wild card entry. That was my next question: was you have to be on a team? How did you how did you get into it? Yeah. So you, what did you get a wild card or something? Yeah, so they do a wild card if you if you live in the host country, you can do a wild card entry. So like when they were in Mexico, if you're a Mexican national, you can race as a wild card entry and you don't have to be on an actual team and stuff just cuz they know they're not going to fill the gate if they go to Argentina or something like only 22 of the whatever factory dudes are going to show up and it's going to be a half full gate. So that's where you get some of those dudes in, in some of the races that are getting lapped on the second lap and stuff. It's just someone that holds an MXGP license and they're or an FIM license or whatever, and they're a pro in their country. So they get to show up and race, but yeah, it was cool. It was, I I'd honestly never, I mean, other than like some arena cross stuff when I was growing up, like I'd never done an outdoor race under the lights. So I did some like local, backwoods north carolina and south carolina like night races a couple weeks before that which was terrifying because those ones you can't see shit <laughs> yeah that's fucking but, dangerous yeah even like the gp wasn't great lighting because the lights were all designed to show the outside of the track and half the track was in the infield so it was definitely not as lit up as as you kind of would want it and with the hurricane like you go into a turn and the inside rut's two, two inches deep, but you can't see it because it's all shadowed and the outside rut is two and a half feet deep. So you kind of just go into everything blind. And I honestly, I don't, I don't think I've felt more painful roost in my entire life than Gutierrez Paulin roosted me in the face going around the first turn. And you're literally fifth gear wide open, like speed tucked because you did a quarter lap on the dirt track. So that was some of the most painful roost I think I've ever felt in my life, but it was, it was a cool experience for sure. Like I got lapped by uh Geyser and that was the race that he won the title too. So like him and Tomac were battling for a little bit and just kind of getting lapped by all those guys that I actually like never get to see. Like I kind of get a little starstruck from them when That's cool. I race the nationals and like, I know some of the guys, like you said earlier, like I have a personal relationship with some of them. So it's like a little different. I'm, I feel like at a national, I'm just hanging out with some buddies and, at a GP, it's like a bunch of dudes that I just watch on TV all the time. So it was definitely a little bit, uh, brought that starstruck back. Like when I first started racing nationals. That's cool, dude. Uh, yeah, that that's really cool. Let, let's go back, you know, 2021 MXGP season. Was this the best season? Dude, it was, was it the best season? Insane. Oh, I know one thing and that's Prado should come with a fucking warning light or a fucking oh my God, a yeah. beeper because that guy is a fucking danger to himself and everyone else around him. What was your thoughts? For sure. What was your thoughts on GP this year? Dude, I think it's the best season we've had yet. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it was a bummer that Tim got docked. I mean, he, he did it to himself, but it was a bummer that he yeah. did that because that would have been the last race would have been literally the winner takes the title and that would have been insane. But I mean, just in general, like, to be that close after 18 rounds all over the world. And like Hurling's had, he missed whatever, however many races with his shoulder and like everyone kind of fell and it's cool. It's cool to have that series long enough that people can make a mistake and still be able to win. Like that doesn't happen in yes. the U S yeah, I mean, you, there's, you miss a there's, motor, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. You only have 
12 rounds to do it. And, and even still, it's pretty hard if you have one bad race, like a 10th or something, like it's pretty hard to, to come back from that. So for those guys to be able to like have bike issues and not finish races or not show up at races, like it's, it's awesome to, to literally go down to the last moto, like either Jeffrey or, or Romain win and you win the title. It's, it, it was insane. It was, the tracks are all sick. Like they didn't have really any super terrible weather this year too. So it was, it was a, a really good season. I, I think next year is going to be even better too. Listening, to, listening to pulp this week. I, I haven't listened to the wrap up show yet, but this was a pretty big topic. You know, our, our top four in, in, in the USA compared to the top four over there. Do you remember the subject I'm talking about? Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, obviously we, we broke it all down in the wrap up show too, but I think, um, I think like Paul and Paul and JT had a lot of really good points. Like, I mean, obviously our guys focus on supercross. it's blah, blah, blah. Like that's kind of a given, but I think the biggest thing for it is, is those guys have such better bikes than us and, and they, they can by design because they don't have a production rule, but I think they, they, their tracks are way gnarlier than ours because they have 14 different amateur classes riding on them all weekend. They don't touch the track and their bike is set up and built perfectly for that situation. And then the next week they go racing sand and the next week it's hard pack. The next week it's perfectly groomed and kind of like a U.S. national. And I think they just, they're overall, they have a much broader skill set than us and from the difference in tracks and the, the better setup in bikes, like they just, I think they're elevated above us now. Like the top couple guys over there, I, I'm pretty confident like Paul and JT that they would, they would beat our guys in the, in the end of a series. And I think the, like they were saying, our middle group of guys from whatever, from five to five to 15, I think would be the next group over there also. Um, I think they're once you hit, like I said, with the Charlotte thing, like once you hit 20 though, it, it drops off very substantially for them. So like their top end is way, I think higher than ours, but their back end, I mean, I mean, not, not that I would go over there and do anything crazy, but I think I could be probably in the 15 to 20 or something like that. And half the races I was either in an LCQ or almost in an LCQ here. So I think our, our, our group of dudes from 20 to 40 are, are much higher level than, than their group from 15 to 30. But yeah, I think, I think Jeffrey and Prado and Fabra and, and Geyser are, are just all around better right now in the last couple of years, they've gotten to a new level for sure. So you would go hurlings being the fastest motocross rider in the world. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, another thing I think Davey Coombe said it was, you know, our guys, uh, you know, once we get to, uh, you know, once we do a few months of motocross, we're straight back into changing these bikes up for supercross again. They sort of don't do that over there. You know, they can ride motocross and they can, they can ride the same sort of setting and the same bike set up all year round to keep improving it. Whereas our guys can't really do that. You know, I think there is yeah. some, some truth into that as well. That's why I would have liked to have seen Villo, you know, get a good run over there and actually do a full season without that Larry loop out. Yeah. But dude, it's, it's yeah. interesting for sure. Those Euro Cowies must have something figured out, or I guess not figured out. Like Villapoto loops out, Fabra loops out. Like they must have too much power. 
Did you see that video of Febra in t- in the tent after that moto, just blowing the wheel up on that thing? Oh yeah, I don't that I don't get it. Like I saw that video and I was like, dude, you just lost the championship. Like, what are you what are you doing over there? I think that I think that whole thing is a big fuck you. To, to Kawasaki over there, you know, because that's the team folding. I think, I think, yeah. it was, I think that's all it was. I think it was the whole team getting together and, you know, just pretty much saying "fuck you" back to Kawasaki. Yeah, I think something's happened because all those videos, if you haven't noticed, they've all gone missing. Oh they're, yeah, they're all gone. Uh, but Steve, I think Steve said something like Cowie got pissed off and like made him take them all down and stuff. But because like Fabra has another two year deal with Cowie. Like he's still riding with Cowie. I mean, the team's moving to ice one, but he's still contracted for two more years with Cowie. So I think it was, yeah, maybe like you said, it was more of the team guys sort of pissed off. Cause who knows if the ice, if, if the ice one team is going to take on the whole crew and all that stuff. But, but yeah, I don't know. That was, it was funny like watching all of that stuff. Cause it was of course like in the middle of the day over here. So I'm like, working just looking at stuff and seeing those videos and uh, I didn't see a single one of hurlings even like really celebrating you just saw a bunch of the dude that got second place just blowing his bike to the ground and lighting the pipe on fire and stuff. lighting the fucking floor up yeah dude insane yeah hey um so like we we touched on start outside sales representing for fox racing that's a that's a really high tech terminology what's your day-to-day job yeah uh, so basically I, I i take care of um pretty much like part of la county all of orange county and then like san diego so i kind of do all the coastal cities Fuck. That's a big Southern city California. yeah so it's uh, a good little chunk i um i, I essentially i just kind of go into each of the dealers um in the areas and just make sure that they have all their stuff lined out and figure out all the stuff in the computer and track down product and see which boat it's sitting on in the port and figuring out all that stuff and helping with merchandising and marketing and all kinds of that stuff. Is it still bad? Like, is there still a shitload of boats? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's terrible. I drive, um, going through like here through like Newport beach and stuff. And it's, yeah, I don't know. There's a hundred ships sitting out there probably. What's the guy? I do. I don't know. It's I, I honestly, I don't know. We, we never, no one can really get any answers and no one can figure anything out. So I don't know. Uh, I don't really know. And it's, it's bad. Cause like this is the, the port of LA and there's not, there's not a ton. I mean, at least for our industry, there's not a ton of like stuff that comes into here and we ship up North into like the Oakland port or San Francisco Bay or whatever it's considered up there. And, I know. I think that one's even worse because there's more manufacturing and fa- factories and stuff up there. So I think that one's even even worse than it is down here. Yeah, it's you know it's funny. I had a I had a conversation with Kawasaki Australia here the other day, and it was about bikes. And they said we there's plenty of bikes. Like the, the factory can make them. The factory has got perfect stock of the bikes. It's just we can't get them here. Yeah, and that seems to be the yeah. Same it's insane. I, yeah. I just heard um, I heard the other day that. I, um, I was trying to get a factory edition KTM and, and they told me I'm not going to get one. They're only making enough to homologate the bike for supercross. So there's only going to be 400 factory edition four fifties made in production in the world. 
or in the country or whatever, I guess. Well, look at that. Um, I think it is the Kawasaki 450 SR, the what was going to be the Tomac edition. I think there was only 300 yeah. of them made in the world, and we're not going to get them in Australia. That's they're only going to America, and that's it. Damn, uh, that's yeah, it's insane. I think it, it sounds like it's a big a big issue with like um, getting the parts, like manufacturing stuff of like raw materials of parts and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. So back, back to, back to Fox. So we got a little bit sidetracked. What's, uh, what's the hardest Fox thing to get? What's it, what's the, is it helmets? Is it gear? Have you guys got good stock of stuff? What's, what's the hardest stuff to get at the moment? Um, it's really been helmets lately. Like, I mean, I think we have, we have a, uh, numerous containers and stuff just sitting like waiting, but it's um, the manufacturing side of it is so far delayed and backed up that it's almost double the lead time from the time that we place the order to the time we actually get it. And that has no effect on like, or the shipping part of it has no effect on that. So just the production time is, is doubled because everyone needs more stuff and they're trying to make more stuff and, getting the, the parts and pieces and materials is, is so much, it's so limited and so hard to get that it's kind of like everything adding up to just get, it's just continuing to get worse. Honestly, like it, it hasn't gotten any better. So uh, helmets have definitely been the biggest, um, the biggest problem for us, for sure. Do you, do you ever look after some of the team stuff or is it just literally retail? I just do, I just do wholesale stuff. So just the dealership side of it, my, uh, and it's the, the funny joke in my, in my household is I live with the two guys that basically spend all the money and give all the product out. So my job is just to keep making sure that they have enough money to pay Kenny and Adam by selling it into the retail and, and getting it into wholesalers that can sell it. So yeah, it's a, a nice, uh, a nice balance we have in our household. What do you think? I don't know if you can say this or not, but just give me a guess. What do you think a salary for for a, for a for a top tier box rider in America would be from a gear company? I mean, I, I know a handful. Like basically, the top top five guys probably the top five to seven are it's it's pushing pushing a million for sure. Holy, just just for gear. Yeah. I mean, that's not even just, that's not even just us. Like even the other, the other gear companies, I mean, they, it's all about the same for those top couple guys. It's uh yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Dude, that that's unreal. And they're, they're new helmets, every single motor. Yeah. Um, not too much. It, it depends obviously if they crash in it or something. Yeah. But it's probably, I'd say they probably get, if there's, 29 rounds throughout the year they probably get 10 to 15 yep yep it's funny i was only uh i was talking to ollie stone who's the 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 factory uh mechanic for justin barsher at the the gas gas team but he used to be faulkner's mechanic anyway we're on the we're yep. on facetime the other day he's walking around his house and he's just showing me all this stuff he's like we're talking about gear he's like faulkner's helmets you go i was like he crashes a fair bit doesn't he and you know he just starts showing me every single one of these bell helmets he's got He's like, that's from that's from Faulkner's crash here. That's from Faulkner's crash there. And just lists off all these crashes. And I was like, fuck, does, does yeah. Bell actually have any money left? Is Bell fucked or? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, it, it depends too. Because like, I mean, we, 
we paint some to match like special gear sets and stuff too. So they definitely, some of those ones, like they'll maybe race in them once, but then they'll practice in them all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll depend, but yeah, I I think for the most part, it's probably, probably 15, 15 to 20, maybe at the max. Who does, who does like, you know, the butt patches for AC, who does that sort of thing? That's um that's Matt Mora. Matt Mora and Kenny Day, the two uh the two guys that do the pro team stuff. The one that you're probably talking about was actually my idea, the Xbox controller. That was so or the sick. PlayStation controller. Dude, so sick. Yeah. I text uh I was playing with Adam like that day or something, and then I text Matt, I was like, Hey, do this. Make a make a bud patch with the PlayStation controller and put whatever for the boys or whatever we put in it. And uh he did that for that one. And then his other gear set for that weekend, uh, I'm trying to remember what he even did. I think he did like drop in hot or keep it tight or something on one of his other butt patches that, that no one ever took a picture of, but <laughs> that's cool. Drop. Yeah, it's, be sick. it's funny. Cause they, he like runs out of ideas obviously. Cause it's like a special thing that they do for each of the guys. And they usually do it on just like their race gear or a couple of them per weekend. And, Sometimes like some of the guys request stuff like Shimoda wanted she on his butt patch pretty much all year. And, um, the like Metallica one for Forkner was, I think his idea and some of that kind of stuff, but some of the other guys don't care and they just, they just kind of come up with ideas and it's pretty cool. And it's funny. I, yeah, it's funny that some of those ideas that Matt just is kind of drawing a blank. Sometimes you're like, Hey dude, do this one. And then he just like designs it, prints it out, like stitches it all together. They have the the sewing guy at the office put it all together, and yeah, it's cool. If you had to design AC one graph one butt patch, what would it be? Oh, I would probably uh, I'd probably tell probably I would probably do one that says lock it in. Cause that's his, that's his go-to thing. As you're yeah, like dropping into the war zone map, I've heard him say it. I've heard him say it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lock it in would be a good one or keep it tight. There's this, uh, on Rebirth, there's this place those boys, usually AC likes to drop. I forgot what it's called. Uh, it's Nova 6. That's it's, it. That's, our, that's that, it. Nova it's six. hilarious because Adam hates, he absolutely hated Rebirth and would never play with us ever. He was so against it, would never play it, and then he started playing with us, and that's like me and Triple and his his buddy and like our group of friends, like that's, we go to the same place every time. And then now like Adam is diehard, never goes anywhere else. And yeah, that's the, that's the spot. Nova six. I should just, I I need to have Matt make him a Nova six butt patch for, uh, for a one. Dude, make it hashtag Nova six. That would be fucking mint. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do, I'll have him do that. Even like Bradley Leonette, man, even he's good at COD. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bradley's good. Our other buddy, Matty Schultz, he's uh, another Moto America racer. He, he's, uh, he's really good too. He's another South African cunt. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Keeping the Aussies happy. Keeping Aussies happy, dude. I'm bringing the fucking heat. We're going to be bringing the fucking heat. I want, I'm telling you now. Yeah. You're going to hear me. Yeah, Justin's coming too. I'm sure Cam will be there. We'll be, we'll be dropping cunts all over the pits. Oh, well, I don't know if you know this, but we're actually, we've actually made a bit of a bet. So there is a bet at K1. Is it K1? The go-kart place? I don't know which one is which, but yeah. So like, I think on the, the Sunday night or the Friday night, we're all, we're all going to go kart and go karting. 
and whoever loses buys dinner. So you might Deal. you might want to sh- you might want to shape up on your carton. I think whether it's funny one of the one of the uh, dudes down here in Australia. He's a V8. Do you guys know what V8 supercars is? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like our leading touring car thing. So Macaulay Jones, he's a V8 supercar driver for, the, for a, a BJR team Coca-Cola car. And it's funny. Like, he listens to our show, sends heaps of stuff in. Like, great guy. I'm going to message him and be like, dude, i got an important go-kart race coming up. I can't lose. I'm going to fly you up. <laughs> you need to get me and Trent. You need to get me and Trent in shape. You need to get us in the go-kart in shape. because uh, Lock it in. We're coming to our... Uh, we're not buying dinner. We're coming there for a free feed. Well, I mean, if Triple's going, he's for sure going to get last. So it's really just a battle of second to last up. Well, I just want to park Triple into like a, a tire wall or something like that. I reckon that'd be yeah. pretty sick. Um, oh, yeah. What? Uh, Anaheim won. You know, where do we, where, where does all the guys ride during the week? Are they, at their, are they at their own personal test track? Are they at fucking state fair? Where are they? Um, most of the factory guys kind of stay to themselves and sort of do their own deal on like their private test tracks and stuff, but it's pretty cool. Lately I've seen on, uh, on Fridays, actually all of Cowie pro circuit and factory Cowie, they all go out to Elsinore isn't it, on Fridays. Isn't so it funny what happens when fucking t- Tomac leaves, they all sort of get along and ride together. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The whole team's there. Everyone's doing all their stuff and like doing everything together and, you got AC and his vlog and all the team fried guys with Anderson are all out there and everyone's just throwing down. And yeah, it's, it is pretty funny. Isn't it weird? Like how big this vlog shit has got eh? like it's, I don't know about you do, but I rely on it. Like I use the vlogs for everything. Like we vlog, oh, yeah. we vlog here in Australia. I vlog, I watch all their vlogs. Like that's where we learn all our stuff from. It's just funny how that's like, it's now, you know, another couple of years, it's going to be like Anaheim one, fuck the media. We need to have all our vlog guys there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like our, I mean, our, our household here, like we don't have TV. We just have all the streaming apps and all the sport, like, uh, F1 and MotoGP and MXGP and like we have all that stuff and then we literally just sit here and watch YouTube videos like that's what I was doing right before you called me just watching Deegan's vlog and watching all these other guys vlogs and it's cool to like I mean we kind of get to see it like having a different relationship with Adam and getting to like play Xbox and stuff with him like he's just a normal dude yeah. but you run into him at A1 on a race weekend and he's I mean with I get it too. Like you have 10,000 people coming up asking you the same stupid question. Like you're going to get pretty upset and like over it. So seeing these guys in like in a normal capacity and like just hanging out with people outside of the races, it's uh, it's cool to see kind of that, that world of, of getting, getting the real, the real personalities of the guys. Like if you didn't know, I mean, Adam's good on like podcasts and media and stuff like that. But like, if you didn't know Adam outside of just watching the races and and you start watching his vlog, you're like, Oh shit, this dude's fucking cool. Like he just throws down and they go to go to EDM concerts and him and his buddy, him, the vlog guy, Derek, we go ride with him all the time. And they're just, just normal dudes having fun. Like goes home and plays video games on the, on his off time. And it's just, uh, it's cool to get that insight. Like, I think that's the big thing with the vlogs is you get to see 
them in a in a normal situation. Yep, it's I, just them and one other dude, or them with their camera by themselves, and you get to see how they actually are. Yeah, and I think that's really important as well for fans to see that because you know seeing you know your your role model, you know people look up to these guys. Seeing those dudes doing everyday things that you know that you might be able to relate to, like people probably see, holy shit, Adam plays Warzone, like I play Warzone, like you know they can automatically yeah. create that relationship with something they do together, which is really, really important. You know, going back, I think it was 2018, 2018, I was in Las Vegas. I want to say Las Vegas, you know, standing under the Cowie quick shot, under Cowie truck there talking to Eli and, you know, Eli was just like a fucking robot. The second we walked back inside the truck, closed the door and we're sitting up in the, in the room, in the, like the, the, the boardroom there with the TVs and shit are, Eli completely changed his persona and he was a different dude. And it's like, yeah. I was like, as a fan, like I've looked up to Eli for so long and I've, I've gone like, you know, I've spoken to Eli, he's like a robot and now I've got him in this room and like, he's swearing, he's carrying on, he's having a laugh. He's just like a normal person. And I was just like, that's the, the hardest thing, you know, for, for a fan to go to these races, you know, stand in line for an hour to get their signature and ask them the same question is you're not getting to see who that rider is. And that's why these vlogs are so freaking important. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like you said, you get that whole other side of them and you relate to them as a normal person and not just the, the same old robot stuff at the track. And I mean, it's crazy the amount of like, just the amount of views that some of these guys are getting on, on this stuff too. And I think that's going to help continue to grow, to grow the sport. I mean, if, if you can start to relate to your idol and your favorite rider or, or you become a fan of someone else just because they have a vlog, like that's, what's going to continue, continue to grow this. I think with more and more people getting involved in making vlogs and, and more people coming out with content and everything. It's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal for a lot of those guys too especially some of the privateer guys, like that's how they make it to the races. It's, it's funny, you know, like we, we do vlogs of stuff down here and, you know, we could have the coolest, the coolest vlog with all the awesome stuff in it. Or we could have a vlog where we're literally eating something and talking shit and people are going to pick the second one because they find it funny. It's, it's weird. Like the, the shit people like is the stuff, the everyday stuff that you wouldn't think people would like, you know what I mean? It's, it's so weird. That's, and that's the cool thing about a vlog is you don't need to be doing anything to create content. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I think that's, like you said, that's the best, the best part of it is that's what people want. People want the stuff that's like, we can sit here and you can watch a racer X video of everyone riding, doing whatever they're doing. You can watch a hundred of them on, on all of the media sites, but getting to see the other stuff of, like you said, of Adam playing Xbox and, uh, and whatever the team fried guys golfing and doing all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's what everyone wants to see. Like you said, and like, look at buttery, look at buttery and, and a medium boy and what they've created just yeah, from fucking people watching sure. what they do. Riding pit bikes on the street and partying and showing up to the raceway at noon and, hanging out for a couple hours. That's what, that's like, he's the, the biggest, you know, the biggest guy around here. People ask me all the time in like dealerships and at the race, they're like, Oh, do you know buttery? And it, they, they care more about buttery being at a national than they do watching the race. That's, that's well. Do you know buttery? I do. Yeah. Good, good guy. Yeah. He's cool. He definitely, I mean, he's, he's definitely, uh, he, how do I word it? He, he definitely puts puts on a 
a little bit of a show for the vlog. I mean, rightfully so. Like you're you're gonna need to do that, but he's a super genuine, nice dude. Like, I mean, I've I've seen him at the track and have talked to him at some events and stuff, and like we bullshit back and forth and talk shit on Instagram to each other and stuff. And yeah, he's a super cool, normal dude for sure. Yeah, dude, I'm jealous. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm a yeah. I'm a buttery fan, buttery sick dude. I think, I think he's a real cool guy. Yeah, he's cool for sure. What about the freestyle guys? You hang out these freestyle guys? You know, being with Fox. Um, not too much. Um, I mean, I've talked to Twitch a little bit and bullshitted with him. Um, that kind of more so is just uh, sort of a mutual friend thing. Like him and Cody are super tight, and him and Cam Peterson are really tight. So kind of just more of a kind of mutual acquaintance thing, but. Um, no, not too much, not too much with the freestyle stuff. Like they're not, none of them are really around all that much. Like they kind of do their, do their program and do their stuff. And we sort of don't ever cross paths all that much. Yeah. I thought you might've, you know, being in, being in so Cal, um, going back to what you do with Fox racing well, with Fox, who does Chaparral? Do you have to do anything for Chaparral? Uh, that's. Yeah, that's the the other SoCal rep. He does kind of the north uh, the north end of Southern California. So that's the uh, yeah the other guy. You could spend hours in that place. That place is ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Like the craziest part is is if you're sitting at Chaparral and you drew a circle with like Chaparral at the farthest north end of the circle, and you drew a circle in a whatever 15 mile radius, like you would hit. 10 other dealers that are, I mean, not that size, but, but still the biggest dealerships in the country. And really? just to think like, Oh yeah. Like, I mean, Malcolm Smith is probably 10 minutes from Chaparral and then Burt's mega mall is probably 10 minutes. And Langston is another 15 minutes from there. And Temecula motorsports is another 15 minutes from there. And yeah, just sheer amount of volume in, in that, like kind of, whatever San Bernardino and Riverside County, like all that stuff right there. Like you're, if you need a part for a dirt bike or a UTV or an ATV, like you will find it and you don't have to drive more than probably 30 minutes from your house. Dude, that's unreal. It's funny. Uh, Temecula motorsports were actually, when we come over in January, January, we're staying in Menifee and dude, that place is a place I want to go to. I've heard a lot of stuff about Temecula motorsports for some reason. It's just a name that always pops up. Oh Yeah. I'll take you in there. They're one of my dealers. They're all, yeah, they're all super cool in there. Dude, lock it in 100, 100%. We'll do that. We'll catch up when we're over there for sure. You know, we're taking a lot, yeah. of, your, lot of your time. I kind of really, really appreciate it. Before we let you go, I'm going to start doing this with people that aren't racing the event because they won't give me a biased uh, opinion on it. Give me a 250 <laughs> race winner at Anaheim 1. Give me a 450 race winner at Anaheim 1. Uh, two fifty. Fuck. I guess it's tough to say because I don't know who's racing what. But I mean, I think uh, I think Jet is going to be uh, forced to be reckoned with this year. Um, I think another year under his belt and a good outdoor season. Like I think he's gonna he's gonna do really well out there. I'm curious to see what some of the star guys are going to do now that they're based in Florida. Christian Craig, um, dude. Christian Craig going to come in swinging. Yeah, I think uh, I think Christian's going to be a race winner. But I, if I had to pick, I would say you're probably going to get Jet or like Justin Cooper, someone like that. I think 250 yeah, wise. Yeah, but they usually do pretty well in Anaheim. Yeah, 450. Uh, you kind of can't 
bet against Barsha at this point, right? Like he's three or four in a row or something. Yeah, sort of got. It's funny, like when I'm like Ollie. Uh, he j- literally just joined Justin's program, and I was like, "Dude, if fucking Barsha doesn't win Anaheim one, your job is fucking gone." <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be a clip, dude. You're a clip for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll probably go with a Barsha for a, for. A, yeah, I'd go with Bar. I'm gonna go Christian Craig and Barsha. It just just the stats, like the stats. You can't really bet against Barsha. I mean, technically, he didn't win a one last year, but he still won the first race. So I mean, there's, he's obviously doing something right. Like he comes in. Swing in, I think he maybe catches some of the other guys off guard, and he's he's maybe more prepared for the first race or the the first race jitters don't get to him or something. Like hey, jo- he jo- has something figured out early in the season for sure. Joey Savaggi, he might come out swinging, Connor. Might happen. Yeah, I think Joey's Joey's going to do good this year too. I think he's. I hope so, he's, dude. I hope. Getting his shit together and sounds like he's been healthy for a little while and kind of getting it all back put together. So I think he's going to do good too. Absolutely. All righty, Connor. We thank you for your time tonight, mate. It's, uh, what is it? Eight o'clock over there? Quarter past eight? Uh, yeah. Dude, it's time for dinner. Have you eaten dinner yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an old man. I go to bed at like 10. What do you, you have for dinner? Oh, some chicken, green beans, little cauliflower mac and cheese, you know? Oh, dude, program the, is Program's already started. The works. I like it. Fucking, you'll see me in and out. Don't worry about that. Uh, I'll be right there with you. Yeah, buddy. Awesome, mate. I thank you for your time. Yeah, dude. Thank you.